Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to Space Floor NBA Podcast. My name is Connor Gielan. And I'm Connor Flattery. This is our 83rd official episode. We're back. It's been a month. We recorded a few STF solos on YouTube, so you can check that out if you want to. But today we're just going to talk about the NBA. A couple Basically just missed. catching up. Yeah. yeah, for sure. The The first thing I wanted to start with is there's been some recent like kind of drama around sports in general, but including one of our NBA guys. Of course, LeBron James and Zlatan Ibrahimovic have been going sort of back and forth with Zlatan was kind of criticizing LeBron for being pretty vocal and using his platform to try to make a positive impact. Um, but basically just saying something similar to what that reporter said a few years ago, the shut up and dribble thing. Zlatan basically just told him, like, stick to what you're good at. No reason to get political. Just play basketball. Honestly, your first thoughts. Of all, my thoughts are shout out to you for pronouncing that correctly. Zlatan Ibrahimovic. <laughs> yeah, I don't know how to pronounce that. Um, but yeah, like, honestly, like, like people were criticizing him, like, like I can see why you would say that in terms of like, like, especially if you're not necessarily comfortable with what you're saying. Um, although LeBron pointed out that a few that like two or three years ago, mm-hmm. um, Zlatan yeah, Zlatan uh, did like make a comment about I think it was like one of the Scandinavian countries in the, in their government. Um, so I don't I'd, maybe he's just kind of going back on his word there. Um, yeah, I would say like if if you. Like I, while people aren't watching LeBron pay, play basketball to see his, you know, like political views or whatever, like he, them them following him on Instagram, that's that's him as a person, you know. Yeah, yeah. So you built up a platform outside of basketball, and so if you as a fan are subscribing to that platform, if you're watching a post game interview, um, anything that's not you know LeBron dribbling a basketball, like. He's a person outside of that too. So if he's mm-hmm. if he wants to say that, like you cannot pay attention to him, and that's fine. Or you can, and that's cool too. But yeah, I, th- I think shutting him down as as like you're not allowed to do that, or you shouldn't do that. Like, I mean, like if if you don't like it, like okay, who cares? Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess I view it from the perspective of like, you know, American citizen, free speech. Yeah. Like, like that's just sort of the the, the culture that we live in. Um, and, and LeBron has sort of branded himself this way. It's like the more than an athlete thing. He's sort of been been speaking that way his whole career, and he's made it a thing. Is like he's gonna he's gonna be active, and he set that tone for the NBA to where like you see that the NBA has been one of the most socially politically active leagues in the world in terms of like modern social issues or social injustice. Um, particularly with like taking a knee during the national anthem. And regardless of whether you agree with what these players stand for, I think you have to give them credit for using their platform to make what they believe. And now again, this is this is a matter of opinion, but what they believe is a political impact. It, it, what, do you, what they believe is a positive impact, you know? And so you could say, well, they're, what they're speaking for is a bad cause and like that's a negative impact, but they think it's a positive impact. They have the right to think that. And so they have the right to go promote that. Um, and so personally, like, I mean, NBA bias, maybe like USA <laughs> bias, maybe, but I side with LeBron here. Like he has the right to do that. And I think he's doing the right thing in promoting what he believes is right. 
Yeah, and uh, I think this speaks to a bigger theme of like player autonomy and player not just being a basketball player but being more than an athlete Mm -hmm. um and we've seen this reflected in in all sorts of things we've seen it with uh lebron and kevin durant going to different basketball teams um and like taking the fan hate and just being like you know what i'm I'm gonna do what i want to do um teams all the time all the time get criticized or teams all the time trade their like hometown players and they don't get criticized for it but when players do it um, yeah. They get criticized. Draymond Green pointed out that, that hypocrisy later. Um, so we see that happening all the time, um, whereas like like players are being more autonomous with their careers. We see players actually taking control of the media by creating their own podcasts. I know Duncan Robinson just launched mm-hmm. a podcast. JJ yeah. Reddick's podcast is amazing. CJ McCollum's podcast is amazing. None of that existed 20 years ago. Sure. So you take the on-court stuff and you have player autonomy. You take the media perspective and you have player autonomy. And, and now Kyrie Irving has been pushing a lot for yeah. um, the narrative of, hey, we're actual people, regardless of how good I can dribble a basketball, which is really well. Um, but, you know, I'm a person outside of that as well. And I, and I also want to say that, like, in hindsight, we usually look back on these athletes as being ahead of their time and as being positive difference makers. You think of Muhammad Ali, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, guys who, like Muhammad Ali, I think he sat out of, I think it was the Olympics, right? And he was suspended, like he couldn't box for some of the, like, the, like a couple of the prime years of his career. And people look back at that and, and celebrate him for that. And he's considered kind of a hero for doing that. And he was, I think he was protesting the Vietnam War. Um, but I mean, I, I guess I just think that the historical trend is that usually these athletes who are protesting are ahead of their time, and usually we look back at that fondly. And so, have patience, and I, and I think that the the steps that these guys are taking, 20 years from now, we might look back and be like, that was genius, and, and they were steps ahead of what the general public was was thinking, you know? And, and so, sometimes the most, like, these, these activists in sports sort of set the tone and like create a brighter future, even if people aren't willing to accept it at the time, even if people are pissed at them in the moment, you know, like people weren't happy with Muhammad Ali for person in the Vietnam war and for getting suspended. But, but now we see that he really created a difference. Right. And we, and we celebrate what he did. And honestly, just in terms of like, like being like a kid that grows up, I feel Mm -hmm. like, like boys and girls across the United States often look to athletes to be their role models. For sure. And, that is usually like kind of like a like a flawed sort of system um because like should you really be um idolizing someone because they can dribble a ball really well and (laughs) and they can dunk yeah um whereas that's not necessarily what you're going to grow up and do in life um or would you rather um be like a idolize an activist or a scientist or Mm -hmm. like what what it would or whatever um but i think that I can now see some like someone going up and like idolizing a LeBron James or, you know, it doesn't matter like what he says, but just, just anyone who is an outspoken person, um, you can specifically idolize them because they're a basketball player who does do other things, who wears yeah. a bunch of hats. Um, so I, I just think thematically like that, that's something that's really cool to me. Yeah. And then to sort of follow that up, we wanted to jump over to the G League where Jeremy Lin was recently called coronavirus during a game. And, and there's not a ton to say on that other than, like, that's messed up. Like, Damn. come on. And, and so huge, huge shout-out to Jeremy Lin for raising awareness about – I mean, you would call that sort of, like, racism, discrimination in the G League, in the NBA, specifically towards Asian Americans. And now 
Asian Americans aren't super well represented within the NBA in the G League, but clearly calling someone coronavirus is not acceptable, first of all, but it's not only present in a league that we consider to be pretty like socially, politically active, forward thinking, but I mean, if it's true there, it's absolutely true in the rest of the world and American yeah, society. Exactly. Again, like this is, this is a dude who's like born in the United States, like went yeah. to Harvard, like if it's happening to him, yeah, uh, who's making millions of dollars a year playing basketball, it's happening to everyone else. Um, another thing, he also didn't say who it was. He was like, "I'm not going to point the finger." Respect which I, him for which, that which, too. Yeah. yeah, I respect him for that too because I feel like a lot of people might might call out him for being like like trying to like draw attention or like dramatize. Like for him not to like point the finger, that's that's also him, you know, trying to, I guess, divert attention from himself as well. Um, so yeah, uh, Jeremy Lin. Um, Good job for him for that, and we hope that that gets avoided. You know? Exactly, yeah, yeah. And, and then to sort of switch it up, like towards a more positive topic, while we're while we're talking about the G League, I thought we'd bring up the fact that the G League Ignite looked like they might have like two of the top five picks this year, and like six players drafted. You, like you texted me saying rolling. you wanted to, you, you texted me saying yeah. you wanted to talk about this, and I I just kind of I didn't really know what you were talking yeah. about. So so talk explain to me. Well. I don't even, like, it's not that I've been watching G League Ignite basketball, to be clear. And <laughs> it's not merch. that I know that much about <laughs> the NBA draft, like the 2020 NBA draft yet. Because usually, I figure out who all the prospects are two weeks before the draft, and I watch college basketball once we, once we get to March Madness. You know, I don't usually, like, follow these guys all year. But what I do know is that if you look at a mock draft, the G League Ignite is, like, freaking stacked. Like, like they've got, like... So, uh, you know, Jalen Green, like Isaiah Todd, all yeah. of these guys are, like, yeah. going to be, like, first-round picks. I read, uh, uh, Jonathan Kuminga. Um, yeah, he, he's a New York guy. So I think Kai him. Soto. Um, I, uh, I, I wrote an article last year about uh, Jalen Green actually signing with Ignite or signing mm-hmm. with the G League. Um, he's, he's the real deal from, from yeah. what I can see. Like, like, like a lot of these guys were top. I think like the two or three of them were top twenty prospects coming out of high school, and yeah. what it's showing is that like, you know, so so obviously Lamelo Ball coming from Australia this year. I mean, he didn't. He wasn't born in Australia, but played in Australia professionally. Wanted to become the third overall pick. James Wiseman set out sat out the second half of his college season. Or actually, only played four games, so more than half. And now uh, we have. Maybe six guys are going to get drafted from the G League Ignite. Jalen Johnson from Duke, who's supposed to be a lottery pick, decided to sit out the rest of their season um, yeah. after Coach K benched him for one game. You know, like, we just... I don't, res- know. I don't know if that's a good sign for yeah. an NBA team, if, well, I'm, if I'm drafting him. That's, and, and by the way, Duke has been better since he left the team. They went on, like, a three-game win streak. But it, it's like we're starting to see all these players take alternate routes to the league, you know? And, and good for the NBA for, for reconcentrating it into, into, first of all, like a league that they can get revenue from. Like if people watch G League games, the NBA yeah. makes money off of it. But also keeping concentrated to the U.S. If you have Lamella Ball going off to Australia, going, like like they're keeping it, they're drawing in international prospects and keeping domestic prop- prospects here with the G League Ignite, you know? Yeah, whereas you saw last year Lamella Ball and RJ Hampton, two first round picks. Yeah. They went to the NBL, which is the Australian League. Yeah, for the exact same reasons. So, 
while I don't have that much to say about the G League Ignite, I haven't been watching them play, I do know that they're <laughs> going to have a bunch of guys get drafted this year, and that bodes well, I think, moving forward. And, and it's exciting to see that, like, these players are now having an alternate route to the NBA in which they can make money, in which they can get involved, they can start their career, play with NBA-level talent, like guys who were drafted and maybe haven't, like, you know, solidified themselves in a ro- in an NBA roster, but are sort of floating somewhere just below. Like, it's good competition. Like, you're getting paid. Like, it, it just, like, it, it makes a lot of sense. And, it, and it's... And it, and it makes sense for the NBA, too, and for the player. So I really like what they're doing with the G League Ignite, and I think it's actually going better than a lot of people would have guessed. So just yeah. big shout-out to them while we're on the topic of Jeremy Lin and the G League. Now, I really want to talk yeah. about this bobblehead right here. RJ Barrett <laughs> and the New York Knicks are good at basketball. Bro, I, I feel like every time, every time we come back and record a podcast, we just have to do, like, a New York Knicks catch-up because... <laughs> Every time we're like, wow, the Knicks have been great, but like, they're not going to heat this up, you know, like, like, so next time we see you, they're not going to be this good. And they're still above 500. They're 18 and 17 right now, which puts them as the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. The Derrick Rose trade has helped, by the way, and we the never Derrick talked Rose, about that. Yeah, the Derrick Rose trade has helped. He's been, he's been playing good basketball, good basketball for them. Alfred Payton has been out, yeah. but he's been good and that has still freed up minutes for Emmanuel quickly off the bench because the one thing I was really concerned about with this trade was that Derrick Rose was going to come in he was either going to be the starter or he was going to back up Alfred Payton and Emmanuel quickly who's been our rookie point guard who's been amazing for us was kind of going to get shunted in his minutes we're going to get cut significantly but that hasn't been the case and even when Alfred Payton comes back I would imagine that Derrick Rose would still start one because he's been playing great and we've been winning um and two because he's boys with the coach Tom Thibodeau yeah um so I I think that is this sustainable i don't know but we are fourth in the east this is our best start yeah. we are 18 and 17 the last time we were that or better was 2012 2012 2013 yeah. when it was like the the first year or like the like the second year of the carmelo anthony trade or something like that yeah um which is wow that, that that's that's been a really long time just to be 500 but still and if you if you take a look at the top four teams in the East, by the way, you have the 76ers, the Nets, the Bucks, and the Knicks. If you rewind, uh, I, th- I think, what, five years, four years to 2015-2016 season, those four teams I mentioned, 76ers, Nets, Bucks, Knicks, those were the bottom four teams in the East. Wow. Those were the bottom four teams yeah, in, in the East. Yeah, I didn't even think about it like that, but yeah. And so there was, there's, been a, there's been a reversal of sorts. Um, That's incredible. Yeah. That's incredible. And so so big shout out to those teams for for their rebuilds. And I guess now you can even like maybe group the Knicks nah, in. No, no, you can't. Like the Bucks 76 or not the into that rebuild cuz we don't have we don't have anybody that talented, right? And 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 that's a huge fall off in wins. The Bucks are 21 and 13 and we're 18 and 17. Yeah. But like the things are turning around for the Knicks. Like the, yeah, okay, but to he, go to go from a bottom like a bottom four team in the NBA to a top four team in the NBA over the last five years, that's a huge accomplishment. Okay, but keep, Not in the in the Eastern Conference keep, of the NBA. Keep in mind, we are the fourth seed. Yeah. The Bulls are the ten seed. We are one point five games ahead of them. Yep. Yep. If we lose two games and everyone else wins two games, we are we are the ten seed. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which is just a broader thing, which the East is just ridiculously crazy, by the way. Um the if you go to the Western Conference the the Memphis Grizzlies are fifteen and fifteen. They have a five hundred record. They're the tenth seed. Yeah. In the in the East, they would be tied for the five seed, um, which is just we've seen insane East West disparities before, mm-hmm. and always the West are better. 
but it's a little bit off this season because the season is even shorter. I feel like some players are a little bit out of shape. Yeah. Some teams are overachieving and underachieving to where the, the the balance just seems so seems so off. And I remember I uh, I was at this basketball camp and this guy Steve Rosenberry who who works for the Blazers, he was there and he he was talking about how uh, the Blazers they're always like the seven eight seed um, and. He, this is actually right before CJ McCollum won Most Improved, and he was like, "Hey, we got this guy CJ." So, really? Yeah, and, and I was like, "I don't know who That's the CJ McCollum yeah. guy." I mean, I was like, I was like ten at the time, or like eleven. Yeah. But um, he always talks about how the East West disparity. Like, oh yeah, it sucks. Like we have to we have to get a really good roster just to get the eight seed, um, mm-hmm. and it's just not fair. So there's there's yeah. frustration from the West teams. And he said, "Look, like we would want to do this, but if you put it to a vote in the league, there are going to be 15 yeses and 15 noes. Yeah, because everyone in the West is going to say yes, and everyone in the East it, is going to say no. Uh, oh, it, to be clear, like a vote to make it one through 30 instead of yeah. one through 15 and one through 15 for the playoffs. Yeah, because everyone in the West would say yeah, yes. Absolutely, it would make their job easier, and the East loves their job being more easy because you only have to get like an okay team to be yeah. the eight seed. I yeah, mean, clearly, and, and then." While we're sort of talking about, like, the East versus West generally, like, the Knicks right now are a better team than the Mavericks, like, if you're looking at, like, the the Knicks are the fourth seed, and the Mavericks are the ninth seed, and they're, like, the Mavericks are 16 and 16 versus the Knicks are 18 and 17, and now, given the Mavericks have been a little bit disappointing, but one thing that I want to, to sort of bring up is that it really messes with expectations, you know, like, it does. If, if the Knicks were 16 and 16, and they were the ninth seed, it would be like, okay, great, the Knicks are... 15 and 15 16 and 16 but they're out of the playoffs right whereas so the difference between missing the playoffs and being the fourth seed you know and and really like the the win percentage is like very little difference there but it really messes with expectations when like the mavericks aren't even in the playoffs right now and they're having a 500 season and the knicks fan knicks fans are like out here celebrating that their team's in the playoffs and we're good yeah. and, it, and now knicks would take a 500 se- a 500 season even if we didn't make the playoffs to be clear but yeah, by the way yeah, like the knicks could lose tonight and then they would be the seventh seed yeah so yeah the the pacers one of the reasons i was upset that sabonis wasn't all-star is because the pacers were the four seed but they've lost the last three games and now they're the ninth seed yeah which is just in the blink of an eye um really falls off um but we'll get to that a little bit later um just going down the raw, going out, going down the uh, the standings. So you have the 76ers solid, Nets solid, Bucks solid. We all expected those three to pretty much be in the top three. Mm-hmm. 76ers are overachieving the season, but I think it's sustainable at least for the regular season. Yeah. The Knicks we've talked about, Julius Randle for All Star. Um, if he was not a New York Nick, I feel like I would not have him be an All Star. Frankly, well, there's definitely some bias there. Yeah. No, but but I I honestly think he deserves it in in that. I think when other... you when you watch Knicks games, he is our entire offense right now. Other than since the Derrick Rose trade, Derrick Rose, at moments R.J. Barrett, and then Emmanuel quickly on his good nights, it's been it's been Julius Randle. But if I mean, to be clear, like Emmanuel quickly hasn't been starting for a lot of the season, you know, and and now. Now he's worked his way to that. Even if he isn't starting, he's in the crunch time lineups with Derrick Rose, like where they both they're play, playing sort of one and two, you know. But as much as Emmanuel quickly has emerged and become a key player in the roster, like he wasn't always. So for a huge chunk of this season, Julius Randle has been our entire offense, and we're winning games doing it. And so, to the to, when you're talking about like people carrying their team, right? Like people who have. Like, like his value to the Knicks, in other words, is kind of unmatched. And it's also a great narrative. Like, in that he's gone from a guy that 
was putting up numbers that people kind of considered a scrub to being like actually getting <laughs> yes. like hyped up and like yeah. like people are really saying like Julius Randle's a good basketball player. He's actually efficient this year too. Yeah, and so if you if you go down the the list, there, what, like in my head when I'm thinking of like oh um like he this team is the fifth seed and they had they had zero all stars the Miami Heat they're the fifth yeah. seed right now they have zero all stars, and then I think about oh the 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 all stars came in last week. And the Miami Heat, they're on a six-game win streak right now. So even though they're 17-17, and 17, when people were voting, they were 13-17, and 17, and they were the 10 seed. Yeah. So I, I have to keep reminding myself of that. Yep. But the Heat, zero All-Stars as the fifth seed. Um, you have the Raptors, zero All-Stars as the seventh seed. You have the Pacers, uh, zero All-Stars. When, you know, they, they, they were 15-14, they, the they were the fourth seed. Very, very hectic in both conferences. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, while we're on the topic of of these sort of like all stars, I I think that that transitions nicely into our all star picks. And, and I know that you want to talk about this is the inconsistent criteria. Yes. Within like between not only between years but also like even within this year of like who's an all star and who's not. So start us off. Yeah. So again, something that is driving me crazy is that the 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 criteria is inconsistent and and even more specifically within the year mm-hmm. the the criteria is different um because every year seasons are different that i think it, it each year the criteria almost molds with the set of players you do have um because you have to weigh certain things above other because you're you're just kind of just comparing people but um you always hear like two arguments for why someone should win uh all-star or someone should win the mvp award um it's either uh, the winning matters. They're a great player on a winning team, or they're just putting up ridiculous statistics. They're putting yep. up 30 points a game, 10 assists, um, blah, blah, blah. So w- within those two criteria, let's dissect it. First, you have, you have the winning matters criteria. Mm-hmm. So this is an argument for um, why Chris Middleton has been an all-star the past two years, even though he's also like been great or whatever. This is a, this is the reason why Rudy Gobert um he's, he's a, an all-star he, this year and yeah. last year he's the past uh-huh. year, but th- this year the jazz are the one seed so he's an all-star this year uh reason why ben simmons even though he's having a slightly down season he's an all-star because the 76ers are the mm-hmm. one seed um but then like on, on like so if you look at the top the top three teams in the west all have two all-stars which again is, is the rarity between like a good team and a great team in the in the modern era yeah um in in the in the east the top th- the, the top three teams have at least two all stars. Um, so with Except that, except for the Bucks, the Bucks only have Giannis. Wait, was Chris Middleton not an all star yeah, this not year? An all-star. Dude, oh my gosh! So again, the, the criteria mixed up. Like Chris Middleton did not have a worse season than he than he had last year. He are, he's arguably having a better season. Um, he's being more efficient, and the Bucks are just I guess slightly a worse team, and so that, that's the narrative. But I'm not really sure. But then, so you have the one hand. That's the reason why Rudy Gobert and Ben Simmons and all, and all those people made the All-Star game. But on the other hand, you have Devin Booker, who's the fourth seed Suns, and he doesn't make the All-Star game. Even though the past three years we've gone on this podcast and I've told you Devin Booker shouldn't be an All-Star because his team's awful. Yeah. And finally, yeah. his team's not awful. Or you have DeMontis Sabonis, who was an All-Star because he was the best player on the fourth seed Pacers last year, and he made the All-Star game. And this year, when the voting was coming in, he was on the fourth seed Pacers, and he was their best player again, and he wasn't an All-Star either words. And yet, you have 
players who are the worst player or who are the best player on a bad team, i.e. Nikola Vucevic, i.e. Bradley Beal, an all-star starter, i.e. Zach Levine, those are all bottom five teams in the East. Mm-hmm. They all get an all-star and, and, and the Pacers mm-hmm. don't. And the, and the Miami Heat don't. And the Toronto Raptors don't. So that that's that's one of my big rants. Yeah, yeah. And to I first of all, I agree with you 100%. Like I think that I think that not like in the MVP race and the All-Star game whatever. Like I think there just is a lot of like there's no one way that people pick who's an All-Star and I, and I think it's problematic. And you, I mean for like I, this happens okay, I'm going a little bit off off topic here, but this is a larger problem in the NBA including the referees, the fouls, like we have to figure out one way in which Kenny Kenny Beecham was talking about this recently. Like, there's no one way in which all refs know to call a foul. Like, two different refs could look at the same play, even like you know in hindsight with like as many replays as they want, and one would tell you it's a foul, and one would tell you it's not. And when we're in an era where players are relying more on fouls, that's becoming more important, and it's becoming more of like a judgment call based game than just like pure basketball. That's where some of the old heads get mad. Same thing happens with all stars. We're like, there's there's no there's no one definition of what it means to be an all star. And so NBA fans and it, everybody's disagreeing. It, it caused basically disagreement over, is this a foul? Is this an basically? I think that the NBA has a bit of a problem in which like, especially in the new age of social media, where where people argue about the right way to do things, and there is no there's no like NBA constitution which says like this is how it's done. Um, and so to your point, like. I think this problem is exacerbated by the fact that you have the fans voting and then you have the coaches voting and then you have the media voting. Like on all three of them are going to pick a different kind of player. Like the media is all going to vote for Zion Williamson and they're all going to vote for Luka Doncic and they're all going to vote for the like sports center top plays guys. They're going to put up a bunch of like, you know, highlight real plays in the, in the all-star game that they can then go post about or write an article about. Whereas the fans are going to vote are, for Alex Caruso. They're going to vote for Julius Randle because he's a Nick. Like they're going to vote for the the big markets are going to have a lot of a lot of guys. The the young players who are on social media, this like, sort of like media players, are also going to get a lot of votes. You know, the Trey Youngs of the world that like put up big numbers. The, the guys that an NBA fan could just like go look as they're as they're picking their All Star votes and it says like points per game, assists per game, and rebounds per game. The guys that an NBA fans can be like, oh, he's averaging twenty eight. Let me just put him. Those are the guys who are going to get a lot of votes from the fans. Whereas then when you go to the coaches, it's the guys who, they're the people who are watching games every night, who know the X's and O's of basketball, who know how hard it is to game plan against certain guys and know who their players hate matching up against. Those are the people who are going to pick not just winning players, because I think winning players is almost a bit of a misnomer here, because I think it's bigger than that. It's like the intangible guys, the guys who contribute to bat, like basketball on a greater level and like make their team really better. You know, so so Chris Paul, you mean maybe he's like he's not a winning player in the sense that the the Suns are the four seed right now, not like a top the one seed, but he's a winning player and that like how much he, how much value he brings to the Suns. So those are the kind of players that the coaches are going to pick, or they're going to vote for guys like Drew Holiday, and they are like nightmare defenders, even though the media or the fans aren't going to vote for Drew Holiday. So I think you just have like all these different warring kind of sides of like the kind of players that everybody that all three different groups of voters want in the all-star game. And I think that's good. And that it provides pretty well-rounded, like, like like everybody kind of gets what they want to some extent. If it was just fans, we might have taco fall in the all-star game and (laughs) real fans don't want that basically. And he doesn't deserve that on his resume. Right. But 
at the same time, if it's like only the coaches get to pick, then maybe it's not that entertaining of a game for the fans who are the ones paying the money to watch the game. <laughs> Rudy Gobert and, and Vucevic just setting screens. Exactly. <laughs> so so I think there's a real problem here. And like, like I said, there's no one way that this is supposed to be done. And that's true for the fouls. It's true for the All-Star game. But like the NBA is starting to, I feel like in, in more than one ways is running this problem of like, well, who decides? How do we decide? What is like when everything can be like picked apart and broken down on social media, you just have a million and one critics of every little thing that you do. Yeah. Or again, going back to the referee thing, if mm-hmm. we have a gazillion camera angles, yeah, that exposes more flaws. Exactly. Or, you know, if, if we just have NBA players going like, like, what did I do? I wasn't <laughs> a foul. Like, dude, that's getting so annoying. It okay. is getting annoying. It, but yeah, so, so basically I agree with you. And that's the reason why I think it's gotten kind of confusing and that there's these sort of like discrepancies in what the in what in what it is that gets players into the all-star game is because you have these three different groups that all pick different kinds of players so like i don't think nikola vucevic should be an all-star but maybe the coaches know something that i don't you know like because in the past it's been like okay well he's he's easily the best player on a magic team that makes the playoffs but the magic team or the magic are one of the worst teams in the east this year and then okay so bradley beal is a starter this year to make up for the fact that he was a that he was a snub last year. He didn't even make the team. But how can Vucevic make, Vucevic make the All-Star team when Bradley Beal didn't last year? You know? Yeah, that's insane. And then they're giving Trey Young the... Dude, the, I was pissed about the Trey Young one. They're God, giving... I mean, yeah. They're, I, I, I like Trey Young. And uh, I understand that he and Vucevic play different positions. And there might be more talent at the guard position than there is at the forward position. Yeah. But Trey but Trey Young they're not giving, being in the All-Star... Dude, Trey Young is averaging monster numbers. I, and, and to be fair, like, this is exactly what... Like, this is the coaches thing I was talking about. The coaches hate Trey Young. They can't stand this man. You remember the thing that Steve Nash was saying about the fouls and whatever? Like... This is revenge by every coach in the league on Trey Young because they hate the way that he plays. Again, he's, but, he's having a very similar season to last year. Yeah. He's, he's averaging 27 when he averaged like 29.5 last year. He's aver- he's averaging the same field goal percentage. He's he's averaging slightly less on twos. And then he he's he's averaging like pretty much the same assists as well. He's averaging he's averaging nine assists. He's averaging nine and a half assists and 26 points per game, and he's not going to be in the All-Star game. So, so the Pelicans are 14 and 19. The the, uh, the Hawks are fourteen and twenty. Zion's an All Star and Trey Young's not. That's not okay. You know, like like it's, and I understand like they want to get the first year All Star in. You know, everybody voted for Zion and Zion's dominant and Zion deserves it. I think, but but I think Z- Trey Young also deserves it. You know, and I don't like the way that Trey Young plays. And to some extent, I'm kind of happy. I'm like I'm kind of rooting against Trey Young a little bit, honestly. <laughs> Hater. Yeah, maybe, but but I, I totally agree with you. There's a discrepancy in like. Okay, so we put Zach, we put Zach Levine in the All Star game at fifteen and seventeen, but now Trey Young at fourteen and twenty. Yeah, you know, and it's yeah. a little bit better, but like, I don't say would would you, know, you would you rather have Chris Middleton or Julius Randle on, on the Knicks right now for this one season? I would rather have Chris Middleton. Um, I'm gonna, uh, I think I'm gonna go with Julius Randle just because he's younger. Like, I no, think no, that no, just for this, just, just for, for this, this season because that's what the All Star that's what the All Star game is. Would you rather have Julius Randle or Chris Middleton for this season? I'm attached to... I, I can't say Chris Middleton because I'm attached to Julius Randle right now. But, like, objectively, uh, probably yes, Chris Middleton. Yes. Yeah. Although, I don't... We haven't ever seen a Chris, Chris Middleton as the first option. So, like, the weird way in which in which Julius Randle is carrying our offense, I don't know if Chris Middleton could do... But, you know, the, the ISO thing, I think, like, he's been the ISO guy in, for the Bucks for a couple of years now at the end of games. He's and he always... Yeah, he's he good. Does good. He does good. And, like, you know, 
So yeah, I, I think Chris Middleton, as much as I don't want to admit that. <laughs> oh my god. And like I understand it's not just about who is the best player, but it's who's 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 playing yeah. the best. Um but who has been playing better between Chris Middleton and Julius Randle? I think Julius I think Chris Middleton has been doing the same thing for the Bucks. He's been providing just as much or he's been or he's been doing no, his but- job. He's been doing. I understand he's a smaller I'm glad role. Julius, I'm glad Julius Randle wasn't All Star this year and Chris Middleton wasn't. If it comes down to the one, the head-to-head matchup. If you were, would you be saying that if you weren't a Knicks fan? I don't think so. Good question. I don't know. I. I but but there's if, also if you, like, were, if you were from Orlando, would you not be going to the grave right now for no, Vucevic? <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. I, I mean, I would, but but it's at like the same time, fundamentals. Like, the. The, the Bucks are twenty one and thirteen, and so there's the, there's the counter argument that it's like, do the Bucks deserve two All Stars? Do the Celtics deserve two All Stars? That's another point. <laughs> the Celtics they are... don't. They don't in terms of their record. They don't like that. Like that's another discrepancy. Is like, I don't know. Like, I feel like Jalen Brown started off this year. I, I feel like absolutely I, I blazing. Feel like people drank the Kool Aid with the Jay Brown Jalen Brown thing. He slowed down a little he's, bit. By the no, way. but he he's been having a great season. But I feel like people just bought into, oh yeah, they just wrote him off as yep, an all star. Yep, yep, yep. They wrote him off as an all star when he's having a great They're year. The record a little bit. Yeah, like he's, he's having a great year. To, to be to be advocate for the Celtics though, Kemba's missed a bunch of time. Jason Tatum had COVID and missed a bunch of time. Uh, Marcus Smart is now out. Like this team hasn't been healthy, and so as much as the Celtics do kind of suck right now, like by Celtics this by my expectations for the Celtics this year at least, um, like. I do think that as individuals, Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum are both deserving. Although it's such a double standard, like how can they both be all stars if then you're not going to give to Chris Middleton on the box? You know, so I agree. And then the other thing is like the Nets have three, and so how can the how can the Bucks not deserve two when the Nets have three? You know, but even the, though the I Nets think that deserve three, <laughs> I do. I agree. But but then there's also then there's also the argument that you could made make that. How do you, how do you balance the like legacy all star guys? You know, like Anthony Davis is a is a lock for the, was a lock for the all star game this year. Even though, yeah. if it hadn't if if it was like if you didn't know anything about all about Anthony if, Davis, yeah, if Anthony you know, Davis like, wasn't Anthony Davis. If you didn't know who Anthony Davis was, you might not look at him and be like he deserves to be an all star this year. Although maybe you would because this the the Lakers are the two seed. Um, but you know that that's 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 an argument like like. Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, the three Nets guys, Paul George, all guys who like maybe aren't having better statistical seasons than some of the other guys. Like even though actually all three of the Nets guys are lighting it up, according <laughs> to Basketball Reference, even you know like, uh, how do you balance those guys who are just like in the All Star game every year and therefore they deserve to again versus like you want to get in guys like Zion Williamson, Julius Randle, Zach Levine, Jalen Brown, who are all first year All Stars this year. Yeah. Who. I think also deserve it, but like you know, I don't know. Like like, how are you gonna how are you gonna tell Trey Young who just made it for the first time last year that he's not an All Star this year when he hasn't really gotten yeah like, had fact, a worse year for for the for the East? You have three guys who were in the starting lineup of the All Star game last year: Jimmy yeah. Butler. Uh, who who was it? It was Jimmy Butler, Trey Young, and Pascal Kemba. Siakam? And, and, oh no, Pascal Siakam, Kemba Walker, and Trey Young, and none yeah. of them are All Stars this year. Yeah. That, that's mind-boggling. Yeah, and so, so let me just read through the nine guys, nine, nine guys who fell out of the, the all-star teams this year. Pascal Siakam, Kyle Lowry, Russell Westbrook, Bam Adebayo, Jimmy Butler, Kemba Walker, Chris Middleton, Brandon Ingram, and Trey Young. Honestly. Not saying that it's a, that they all like deserve to be in it this year, but someone go find me another time in NBA history that's happened. I'm genuinely curious if there's ever been 
nine All-Stars that fell out in one year. Yeah, man. Shocking. And honestly, like, a lot of them are young, too. Like, like yeah. Kyle Lowry and Russell Westbrook, I understand because they're old. Um, maybe because Jimmy, Butler, Jimmy Butler is a little bit older. But, like, Trey Young should only be getting better. Brandon Ingram should only yep. be getting better. Bam Adebayo, same thing. And Pascal Siakam, too. They're, mm-hmm. they're, like, a lot of these guys are young and are on an upward trajectory. And yeah. some of them, like Pascal Siakam, are falling a little bit flat. And other ones just kind of, like, you know, just got snubbed a little bit, like Trey Young. Yeah. But, yeah. Honestly, next week I want to do what we did last year, which is... Uh, all-star I'll, draft. Yeah, yeah, I'll be LeBron, you be Katie, or vice <laughs> okay. versa. And we and we have the all-star draft. All I, right, feel, I, feel like, I feel like that would be fun. Okay. All right. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Space Floor Podcast. We hope you enjoyed. Uh, if you're on YouTube, like and subscribe. We're also on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, and check us out on Instagram and Twitter. Thank you so much. My name is Connor Gielen. And I'm Connor Flaherty. And see you next time. Peace. Shout out to Trey Young's Barber. Shout out to our new STF solos on YouTube. Go check them out.